And then, and then you say, you know, this happened and you blame, you know, you almost like you play the blame game on everything else besides look at, you know, who you're pointing the finger at. And it's really, you should be like, well, I shouldn't have stayed up that last night, you know, or I shouldn't have done this instead of blaming this client or this person did this or, or this, you know, my staff did this and just kind of pointing the finger at everywhere else on why things aren't going right. And almost always it starts with, let's see what you did to contribute to that first. And I think that to me, it always starts with sleep, starts and ends with sleep. Hey, this is Allison. Welcome to Under Withheld, the podcast by accountants and for accountants, where we talk about our ubiquitous professional and personal struggles. You are not alone. This episode is a conversation I had with Scott Scarano. Scott is the owner of Paget Business Services, an accounting firm in Raleigh, North Carolina. You may know Scott as one of the hosts of the popular accounting podcast, Sons of CPAs. His firm, his podcast, his family, and his personal pursuits keep him pretty busy. And as we all know from our own experiences, when we have so much going on, something has to give. For Scott, this used to be sleep. But as you'll hear in this episode, Scott's perspective on sleep has changed over the years. He now sees a good night's rest as fundamental to his health. I personally love sleep and have always embraced it as part of my own physical and mental wellness. However, I haven't seen our industry promote this. As I mentioned in the episode, I've had countless experiences where long hours were expected of me as well as colleagues. One of the worst instances of this for me was nearly falling asleep in the car on the way to work. The expectation of long hours, among other concerns, led me to ultimately start working for myself. I just didn't know how else I was going to get any meaningful rest. While lack of sleep and its side effects are likely common among accountants, I wasn't able to locate any industry-wide resources on this topic. If you have resources specifically at the intersection of accounting and sleep, please reach out to me with those at underwithheld.com. I will add them to the resources already listed in the show notes, which include a book entitled Why We Sleep that Scott recommends and a sleep toolkit as developed by Dr. Andrew Huberman of Huberman Lab. Dr. Huberman offers several action items that many of us as individuals can implement, such as avoiding caffeine within eight to 10 hours of bedtime. In case it needs to be said, I nor my guests are therapists. We are not offering therapy. We may say things that just don't resonate with you, and if so, that's totally cool. There's nothing prescriptive here, just colleagues talking about an issue we think is important, and we hope talking about it will help someone else. If something sounds helpful to you here, cool. If not, just ignore it. Welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Welcome to the show. Hey, Allison. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for being here today. I get nervous every time I'm a guest on anything. Like Tell right me about when you it. hit the recording, now all of a sudden I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah. It's excited. Now, you know, you try to mix nervous and excited because it all has the same feelings. Anxi mm. Anxiety and excitement are basically the same thing. So. But this is not the anxiety episode. We we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to bring that up. Yeah. Hey, no, no. All, all is welcome. I imagine there will be an anxiety episode at some point. If you haven't had one already, you should. Um, not yet. Not yet. I think anxiety and accounting go hand in hand. So. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I'm predisposed to it in all aspects of life. So something I got to deal with. Scott, tell us about yourself. I'll try to relate everything to accounting. So my grandfather had a CPA firm. My dad was a CPA. So young, young growing up, my dad was working at my grandfather's firm 
and they would get into fights all the time. My dad would get fired every other week and still just could show up back to work. That didn't work out. And my dad didn't really use his CPA after that. He went into sales and then they kind of started their own business and we picked up and they picked up from New York and moved to North Carolina in the early nineties. So I've been in North Carolina ever since they've always had their own business, but they pivoted and my grandfather at his CPA firm started a software company within it. And we're starting to see that a lot more now and now people building up, building out their own apps, building automations and selling that. So my grandfather built a GL back in the day for nonprofits and back when with a lot of nonprofit accounting, you were doing fund accounting. He built a special GL just for that. He called it IDS, Institutional Data Systems, I think. And then they, this is my grandfather did this back in like the 80s. Oh, he's still very progressive. Well, he's not alive anymore, but I guess, I, I guess it was very progressive for those days. And he hired programmers and he funded that and built that up. And then he couldn't do both. He couldn't run a CPA firm and a software company. So my dad took it over. And that's what they still do today. So parents, both their company is called Arrays and the software is FastFund and FastFund is the fund accounting software. So they're, they're more like competitors to Razor's Edge, Blackboard's systems. Sage had, had one too. And now people just use QuickBooks for their nonprofits too. Like it's now they're just competitors or QuickBooks, yeah. I guess zero too, but yeah, it's a nonprofit GL. So that's, so that tech and accounting has always kind of been in my blood. I've been surrounded by it most of my life. And I didn't really know that there was an advantage to that until zero came into the picture with my firm. And, and I started to see a lot of similarities with the way zero did things and the way my parents did things. So I, you know, this, I don't know if I'm going too deep into that, but that's, that's kind of like my origin story of how I got to where I am now. And now, now I just, I'm a talking head. Like I don't even do anything at my firm. I, I have, <laughs> I have an accounting firm and, but now I just like talking. I like talking about this stuff and I, I have a podcast now too. And I just, and I, now I started rapping recently. So I'm making raps for business and accounting people and trying to make that, you know, I'm trying to just bring a little bit of light into it, a little fun be a little bit more entertaining. I've always wanted to be an entertainer. I've always, I love attention. I crave attention in my life. So why not do it in a positive light and people can learn from it a little bit too. That's a little bit about me, I guess. That's awesome. So you're, you're rapping, podcasting, accountant. That's, a, that's, that's my Twitter thing right now. I say amateur rapper because I'm not that good yet. I really like, I'm working at it. I've been writing every day, almost every day this whole year. I started this year saying I wanted to do one rap and finish it and record it and release it. And I've done that. And now I have like five more that I haven't released yet. So amateur rapper. You are actually here today to talk with us about our industry's number one in our industry. It, number so it was never an enemy to me. It was always something that I no, thought, no, I guess, I, I guess I mean, it kind industry, of was an enemy. Not, not yeah. us as individuals, by the way. Well, no, no, no. But to, in a way I did fight it and I did think I didn't need it. And what we're referring to is sleep, which if you're listening to this episode, you would have heard Allison's intro. So you, you know, this, this is about sleep, <laughs> but it's like, I never thought I needed it that much. I would, I'd have a lot of caffeine. I was taking Adderall or I had extra Adderall that I would take if I needed to stay up or whatever it might be. I, I take Vyvanse, so I didn't really need that much sleep anyway, because that keeps you up, you know, and it keeps you alert. 
So I fought it, but I also felt like I didn't need it. And I never really had a situation to where I need to sleep. It was always like I would, I would go maybe a week and not sleep the whole night and just keep working. Tax wow. returns, review, all the work that I needed to do, I would do at night because I was meeting with clients during the day. I was, yeah. you know, I was helping the team during the day. I was doing things during the day. And then I just knew I have extra time. I, all of this time at the end of the day when nobody's going to interrupt me, that was like my, my, my sacred time. You know, some people wake up really early and their sacred time is early in the mornings. They're not going to get any interruptions. And I, I could never do that because I would always stay up late. You can't wake up early if you're pushing, pushing yourself as far as you can. When you finally do sleep at 2 or 3 a.m., you can't wake up early. Like I, I just never really got into that routine. So for the longest time in my life, I fought sleep. I was, an, it was my enemy. And I know we had this conversation. You, you have a different relationship with sleep, right? Like you're, sure, you yeah, did yeah. for most of your life. Yeah. Yeah, I like sleep. So <laughs> sleep is my brand. I love it now. It is. I absolutely <laughs> love it now. This is, I went through a transformation last year, last two years, really. Part of it's COVID, part of it's self-improvement, part of it's, you know, now I'm on the other side of it and I realize what I've been missing my whole life. And oh, it kind yeah. of excites me to look forward to the next, you know, I don't know how many years I, I got left, 38. So maybe I got another 40, 50 years, something like that. Maybe more, give or take. We'll see. I don't, I said my grandfather is not living anymore. I don't even know how old he was when he died, but I should look into that. So that's like, I'm excited. Like that's sleep to me now is my number one foundational habit. I can't do anything else if I haven't got a lot of sleep and I'm starting to see how much that can impact me because I don't have a lot of caffeine anymore, but I'm, I think I'm going too d deep down the rabbit hole. We got to, we got to scope back out a little bit. So where do you want to start with this sleep conversation? You know how it impacts you personally? professionally, either getting enough sleep or lack of sleep. Yeah. So in most, in most cases, I never really thought of it as a lack of sleep. I never really, yeah. Like I, I just would always felt like I was alert enough and I got through it and I didn't know how cloudy my mind was or how much it impacted my emotions or how much it impacted my decisions or how much it impacted my anxiety. There's so many other things that sleep was impacting for me, my appetite, everything else in my life until I started getting it until I started getting more sleep. And then I got it. It fit like literally and metaphorically, like I got it, but I was, because I was getting that sleep. And so last year I went through this thing called optimize. I think they call it heroic now where you kind of work on those foundational aspects of your life. It was like the masterclass of life. And, you know, I was working on the three main things it was like sleep, moving, eating, and sleeping. And if you don't have your sleep under control, you can't really do the other two. Like you're going to make bad choices eating. You're not going to have the energy to exercise and you're not going to be able to get the benefits of those. So then you're going to have medication that kind of fills that. Like the oh, yeah. medications I was taking was, was helping me with my anxiety. I was taking for the last, you know, prior to last year for 15 years, I was taking anti-anxiety medication, Klonopin. I was taking, I still do take the Vyvanse, but that's, that's a whole nother thing too. That ADHD is you can get as much sleep as you need and want. You've already had that episode, so we don't have to go too far into that, which was a great episode, by the way. I loved it. And I could relate to a lot of things that little Tex was saying on there. But like, so getting 
getting to the point where I understood how much sleep meant and how much I understood I didn't need that medication. That took a while too, because I was just trying to improve a lot of different things in my life and trying to get shit like in the right, you know, kind of that foundation that was crumbling, that was like falling apart. And I don't know how much it was falling apart, but I wanted to get my shit together. Like it just felt like that was the right time. It was COVID. You know, we had a lot of space and time to think and to, you know, reevaluate our purpose and where we want to go. And that was part of what I had to do was I had to work on myself first before I could work on anything else. And so understanding and learning more. And I started to attempt to sleep more. And then I realized all the other things that you have to change to be able to sleep more, to be able to go to bed early, you have to phase that in. If you're used oh, to yeah, staying, staying up late, up like, and sure. you're, you have bad habits. So it, all the things that had to change, right? Like I had to change the way I ate, change when I worked out, I, all the habits that I wanted to start doing, I had to phase in. Now I'm tracking 12 habits a day. And they all are interconnected. They're all kind of stacked up on each other. And they, you know, if, if I don't do one, I end up not doing the other and then the other and then the other. Oh, yeah. So, and, and it's very methodical. Like I, I have 12 habits and literally they are numbered. We can get into that, but it was like, I had to, I had to work to get there. It took me about a year to even get to the place where I'm at now, more than a year, really. To be able to get eight hours of sleep a night was a huge struggle as I was changing a lot of different things too, I stopped taking that anti-anxiety medication and I was physically dependent on that. I probably should have went to rehab. I didn't, I got off of it on my own. I just flushed everything that I had, but I had a, if I look at my aura scores during that time period, it's like, I couldn't sleep. Like it, you're physically dependent on a lot of that stuff and your body is, is reacting to not having it too. Sure. And I didn't really know that. I didn't know the science behind that. I, I kind of know addiction. I know I have an addictive personality, but I didn't know the science behind all that. I just thought I could power through it and I did power through it, but it was a, it was difficult. Like it needed, required a lot of power and a lot of change. And nobody wanted to deal with me during that time because I was all over the place, but I got on the other side of that. And then I started to be able to sleep and my body wanted the sleep. And now it like, you know, now, now I kind of know, you know, like I can't, one of my habits is I can't stay up past 11. You know, I can't, I can't do it because then I'll, then I'll stay up even longer. You know, sure. I can't have after 9 PM, everything's pretty much shut down. Like I'm not using my phone. I'm not on my computer or anything. I need that two hours to just get the blue light out. And so there's, I guess I, I could talk about the 12 habits that I track. So it's like, you know, it, because it's very accountant esque, like it's, they all have a place. Everything is numbered and I have to check my boxes. It's very much attention to detail, but it's so satisfying to track those things. And in order to get that eight hours of sleep a night, I need to do all these other things. So the first one, first one is just writing a line every day for my rap stuff. Like I want to, I want to build yeah. that habit. I want to get better at that. The next one two. So that's one, one line a day. Two is read two pages a day. Three is actually do this. So three is track three habits. Four is wait until four or four twenty to get high. So I, I am actually productive during the day. So I don't sure. smoke weed until four twenty. Sure. Five is five pushups a day. Six is meditate for six minutes or sometimes six breaths if, if I can't even get the six minutes. Seven is exercise for at least seven minutes. So some kind of physical exercise for seven minutes. Not too much because to do that every day, it's like you can't, I don't know, I'm still phasing that in. Seven minutes seems to be enough at least to get the mind right. Exercise to me is for mind and to be able to sleep, not not for, you know, like 
it's also good physically too, but psychologically more. Eight hours of sleep is eight. Nine is no phone or shut down at 9 p.m. 10 is walk 10,000 steps. I'm a walker. 11 is in bed by 11, sleep by 11. And then 12 is fill my stand rings on my Apple Watch. I got to get 12 of those rings filled. That's been the hardest one to do, actually, because whenever I actually do try to work and I'm sitting in front of the computer, I could sit for four or five hours and not know it. Like, oh, yeah, whatever sure. I'm doing. Sure. Our jobs, like we we sit almost all day. I yeah, know like, right. I, I, I could I could have been sitting for eight hours straight when I was doing a lot of taxes, when I was doing a lot of client work. You know, I, I just don't even get up to eat. So but those that stuff has kind of helped me in all aspects of my life. Like, you know, all of them seem like very little things or very trivial. But to me, that's like what matters most now. And I actually hit all 12 habits three days in a row for the first time since I started doing that. Hey, that's like all March. I know three days yeah. in a row. That's like, it's hard to hit all 12 of those. I don't hit them all every day. Like definitely days I miss a bunch some days, but I'm, my average is going up. I'm tracking all of that. I'm keeping up with the data. You know, I love, I love the numbers. So, but yeah, that's I all. mean like sleep is starts, everything starts and ends with sleep with me now. That's the foundation of all of it. I took my son to a concert last week, Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, and it was in Charlotte. So two hours from me, I'm in Raleigh and North Carolina for the listeners. But, you know, I had to drive home after that concert and I was able to stay up. Like it wasn't like I was falling asleep at the wheel, but really affected me for the whole weekend. So the concert was on the first, it was Thursday night. And then we went to the beach over the weekend and I was sluggish almost the whole weekend, just trying to recover from that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I attribute that to not getting a lot of sleep that Thursday night. You know, I felt fine by Monday or Tuesday, but the whole week, you know, Monday was like Labor Day and I was starting to feel better then. But like, it wasn't like I was sick or anything. It was just, I was tired, you know, and I never used to feel that. I never used to even acknowledge that. I always would just power through it in all aspects of life. Like going to concerts, that was nothing to me. I do that all the time. <laughs> I guess maybe because we're getting old too. Maybe I'm getting a little old. Maybe, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Could we be. need our sleep. We need our sleep. But that's the foundation of it. Like I, I definitely feel it too. I was the last trip I went on was New Orleans, I think, for ZeroCon. And time difference gets me too. Now, oh, yeah, for sure, um, for I've sure. Been traveling a lot more, you know, all kinds of things. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be going to Toronto next one, and that's not a different time zone. But every time I go to like Vegas, well, Vegas is its own thing. You don't get much sleep yeah, in right. Vegas. That's a, you go to another <laughs> planet there. But going to like New Orleans, you know, getting home, it was adjusting to that. Just that one hour difference is a big deal. Like I was reading in that in that book, The Science of Sleep, you know, the the amount of car crashes after daylight savings increases and the amount of accidents that people have increase when you lose an hour of sleep. There's a lot of studies that show and that's why eventually I, I think eventually they may stop doing that because of the adjustment because of losing that hour of sleep actually makes a pretty big difference. They also something recently too, a really interesting part of that book is teenagers actually are, we are built like as humans to be staying up later at those ages because we have to socially acclimate. And there's, there's some studies and there, everything behind that, you know, this, this gets into like anthropology type stuff, but we, to be socially active, like during the tribal days, the kids would be up later kind of figuring out their own place while others went to sleep. And we go through that phase. And so 
that's why teenagers tend to stay up later and be yeah. a, they're able to stay up later. And I'm starting to see that with my daughter, but their school starts the earliest of anybody. Right. Sometimes high school starts at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. So I'm starting to see that changing in certain states. So they were showing a study in the book where they moved back school for like two hours or three hours. And all of a sudden the kids' test scores went up. Everything went up across the board for the kids. It was like in Montana or I forgot what state it was in that they did that. And so other states are starting to take it up on. And my, uh, my sister-in-law, she's a teacher. And just recently they changed the curriculum. And this year they changed the start time for the older kids at the school district that she's in. I don't know the full details on that, but that's because of, because of sleep, because kids, you know, at that age, I guess, you know, we're just predisposed to be staying up later, not because we have to watch the tribe while everybody's asleep or socially. I, I mean, I guess, you know, that, that is true. Kids socially acclimate at that age, but that's, that's really interesting to me, like to start learning more. And the more I learn, the better equipped I am to deal with different things and the more I understand, like, you know, you just blame your mood on other things. If you don't know, it's, it's just something as simple as getting enough sleep, right? Like, yeah, sure. you know, it's, you're missing something fundamental, right? That, yeah. Right. And then, and then you say, you know, this happened and you blame, you know, you almost like you play the blame game on everything else besides look at, you know, who you're pointing the finger at. And it's really, you should be like, well, I shouldn't have stayed up that last night, you know, or I shouldn't have done this instead of blaming this client or this person did this or, or this, you know, my staff did this and just kind of pointing the finger at everywhere else on why things aren't going right. And almost always it starts with, let's see what you did to contribute to that first. And I think that to me, it always starts with sleep, starts and ends with sleep, everything else I can handle. So at the, at the firm, we were tracking our, like we have, we have leading indicators of that's our scorecard or our OKRs or our KPIs. Like our KPIs are the things that we can control, the things, the habits that we can do. So meeting with clients, there's a, there's a whole list of things, but the only one that I was in charge of was my sleep. <laughs> like I, because I don't do much client work or anything else. The ones that I was tracking every week on our scorecard was how many nights I got eight hours of sleep. And it correlated. Like when I was still doing sales, our sales numbers were better and everything worked. It was better on anything I had control over when I had more sleep. Wow. So that's why like that was, those were the things that we tracked. We weren't tracking the goals or the outcomes. We were tracking the inputs. And I think that's, you know, to me, that was the one thing that mattered most to me because I can control everything else if I've had enough sleep. I think since you're starting to talk about how sleep and work overlap, maybe we could talk a little bit about your thoughts for folks who are on the employer side, maybe they're running a firm of their own or they're running an accounting department of their own, you know, what are things that they can be thinking about for them and for their staff in terms of sleep? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I think it's it, obviously it's always going to start with, that's what they say on the airplane, right? Like you got to put your mask on first. So it's going to start with the owner figuring it out themselves. You can't, you can't coach anybody to do anything that you're not already doing. I think the best, the best advice I could give anybody is the stuff that I've finally started to figure out. And I'm, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still a novice at a lot of these things, but you know, the things that I know of are the things that I used to struggle with that I'm on the other side of now. So I think the same thing with, as an owner for your team, 
you know, to be able to project things that you want them to do, you have to embody that first and you have to show that first. So, you know, are you getting enough sleep? Like, you know, a lot of people think just because I'm in bed for seven hours, I'm getting seven hours of sleep. You know, I think a lot of people think six hours is enough. And I started to learn, like, I would, I would love to be able to get nine hours of sleep, but I just can't get to bed that early. And if I sleep too late, then I've slept the day away. Right. So eight hours seems to be about right for me. Sure. But, you know, I have an aura ring, you know, maybe get one for you and possibly offer to get one for the people in the team that want it. Like I kind of offered that, but they were like, I don't want to track my sleep. You're going to see how much I sleep. Like, no, I'm not doing it for (laughs) me or to see how much they sleep. I would like it because what you measure, you can improve on. Right. And what I was realizing is I could be in bed for eight hours and I wasn't getting eight hours of sleep because there's, you know, it's tracking and it's, it's not like a, you know, it's using gyroscope and it knows what you're moving and it using your blood, your heart rate to measure how much deep sleep you're getting. And it, it's data that I can improve on if I know it. Like if I knew that I needed to be in bed for 10 hours just to get eight hours of sleep in those early days, that's what I had to do. Now it's like I can do, I get about 90% sleep rate when I'm in bed. So if I can do about nine, I don't know, I, I haven't looked at my score today yet but I was looking at it every day and it measures a lot of different things and it gives you your readiness too. So this aura is, is great. Like it's, that's changed my life too, being able to see that data. You know, you kind of have a rough idea of how much sleep you got based on when you went to bed and based on when you got up. But you know, like all accountants know, once you really dig into those financials or once you really dig into the data, then you know what the problems are and then you know what you can improve or, you know, the things that you can fix. So, you know, I think part of it is the first thing is, you know, get your, get yourself right. And if you're, you know, like, like you, like I, you say, you've, you've always been one to, you know, I, I, I admire that because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in my life that always would say like, I need my sleep. And mm-hmm. I was like, That's well, I don't, you know, it was, it was always like, oh, I don't need my sleep. You know, you need it. And I don't. And that's all bullshit. Like now I say that. And if somebody says they don't, I actually care for them a little bit more. And I say, really, you don't like, tell me, tell me why, Mm -hmm. give me a little bit more on why you don't think you need sleep. Cause if anybody asked me that, I wouldn't have been able to give them a good answer. I'd give them, I'd kind of gloss it over. Well, I don't need sleep because I'm not tired. You know, it's like, I have all these reasons why I didn't need it, but they were all bullshit. So how about for the folks on the employee side who maybe have less control over their work schedules, maybe expected to be working long hours, maybe commuting yeah. back and forth to an office. So that takes up some time in the day. You know, do you, do you have any thoughts for folks on that side of things? Get a new job. You heard it here. I mean, <laughs> get a new job. Yeah, kids. I don't know. Come, come work for me. I'll let you get sleep. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> I would say Stop hiring y'all. you gotta like, it's well, I think we're starting to see that trend more and more with certain progressive firms and firm owners that you know don't put as much emphasis on the billable hour the hours worked a lot of you're seeing a lot of firms like we're fully remote now we used to have an office and i used to kind of let people work hybrid Mm -hmm. but now we don't even have an office and they're in total control of what they do and i'll be honest i'm making more money than i ever was not doing any work because they're in control of all their shit and they're they're doing a much better job of me not micromanaging anything you know, like the best way to manage is to not manage or not might well, definitely not micromanage, but is to let them manage themselves, and let them hold themselves accountable. And that's giving them the freedom to do that. And so that's one thing I did. And I think that the only like I, 
as a boss, I wasn't allowing certain things in the past, but that's because I didn't understand. So maybe educate, you know, your managers and your bosses a little bit more. If it's something that you want to pay more attention to, share it with them, go to them and tell them, look, I want to start getting more sleep. What can I do? Like, how can I, how can my job change? How can, how can this change? I can't be staying here till 9 PM. I, you know, it's not just about work-life balance. It's about, I need this. Like, this is what I need to live, you know? And it's not everybody puts as much emphasis as I do on sleep. I go a little extreme with almost everything. If I go in on something, I'm a thousand percent in, I'm all in. It's like a one or a zero with me. So I think now that I understand it, anytime anybody asks me anything related to their health or their wellness, that comes first before anything else. You know, if somebody's yeah. a little too stressed out, okay, what can we do? How can we ease up your client load? What, what have we got to do? It's not, you know, it's, it's not about the immediate, it's about the long term, and, and that, you know, I think that all starts with their foundational health too. So yeah, it's hard. I, I can remember some of those days. It, it always seemed to be that the late nights were followed by early mornings because you were trying to get a deliverable out the door first thing. So you're staying, you know, up later mm -hmm. than you needed to be working later than you needed to be the day before. But then you had to rush back into the office very early before anybody else to just, you know, if it was something that had to be printed, did it get printed and putting it together? And, you know, the client's probably coming in at eight. And yeah, like I, as much as I love sleep, there were many, many days where you're just, you're struggling. There's a lot of caffeine. Or there's a lot of, like you were saying yeah. the other week, there's just a lot of catching up on the weekends, which catching up is sort of overrated as well. So it's, it's hard. Oh, well, catching up actually isn't even a thing. In the book, they he says, and yeah, I've read this other places exist. too, catching up doesn't exist. Once you lose that sleep, you've lost it forever. You do have to, your body wears out and you do need more sleep, but you're not catching up on what you lost. You've already lost it. it you're not getting it back. Once you squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, you're not putting that shit back in. You know, you can go buy more toothpaste, but you're not getting that back in. Maybe there is a way to do that. I, that's probably not a good example. It's probably, I could probably figure out a way to get toothpaste back in if I've got it out, but that's not, that's not the best example, but like, you know, like part of it is the things that you can control. And in the moment when you're staying up late because you have a deliverable the next day, you're not going to change that in the short term, but you've got to note the things that you can change for next year. What caused you to be in a position to have to stay up late in order to get that deliverable? Why couldn't you get it done a couple of days before, you know, and be prepared for it and have it ready before the day before like what are the things you can change next year to do that and that's hard I, i'll be first to admit that is I'm, i was terrible at that because i never had the perspective or the bigger picture of like yeah we can change this next year because it was it was always somebody else's fault or you know the client got it to us late we're in control of who's our clients in the first place yeah. you know and like we we always would complain i i i would i don't anymore but like of clients getting stuff in late and like, I would always hear the firms and the people saying, oh, we just don't let our clients bring it to us late. You know, for us, it was always like, oh yeah, they're going to pay more if they're bringing in late. We're going to charge oh, them more. Right. And that's not a, that doesn't fix anything. That doesn't solve any problems because maybe you're making a little bit more money, but you feel miserable, you know, you're and you really, yeah, you're burning out. And these are the people that are ungrateful anyway. So you're going to rush to get everything done for them last minute. And then they're going to bitch that what they owe or that their refund isn't big enough or whatever. Like they, these are people that you never satisfy, never keep happy. And it's, and it's still, I'm still trying to figure out how to weed them out in the initial phase. Like we just stopped doing individual tax returns only 
Like that, that was a way to do it because business owners have a better perspective on it. And they, you know, they know that we're handling their shit. So they're not as concerned about the deadlines and they get us their stuff because we're working with them year round. So our solution was to just not do individual only anymore. And I don't think that's the right solution either. My co-host on my podcast, he's, they still make a pretty, they do great just doing a lot of individual work and they've, they've got a system that works for them. And I think that's, that's part of what I'm learning is we could still do that, but it just means that, you know, I also don't like the variability of tax season versus regular year. Like I've tried, I'm basically trying to eliminate what tax season is for us. Uh If we structure the business the right way, we don't necessarily, we do, we do a fraction of the tax returns we used to do. And we're making a lot more money because we're working with the right clients, the clients that are right for us. We don't necessarily have an industry vertical yet, but we have a client type that, you know, we're, we're attracting, that we're working with, that we know we can make good margins on, that we're, you know, that we can, we can handle everything else around that once we've kind of defined what it is. And now we're starting to rank our clients as like giving them client scores based on what they filled out on on our type form. So we have, you know, we have a, a good idea of who's going to be a good client or not based on our current client base. And I've asked my team numerous, numerous times, like, what's the best industry that you like working with? And consistently, they, they never care about the industry. They always care about the owner or the person they have to deal with. And some industries they can they like because of the owner. And then if it's somebody that they don't like working with or that's just not a not a good client, that's what defines not a good client for them is the owner's attitude and that, that person. And we can control that. That's the one thing we can control. We can't necessarily control, you know, it's, we, we can't control after the fact because then they're already paying us and now we got to deliver this. And, you know, it's like, it, I, I have a hard time. Once we take on a bad client, I have a hard time firing clients. Like I've, I've never been good at that because the worst ones, you could raise their fee as much as you want and they won't leave. I would always be very passive aggressive on that. And I would just keep raising their fees. And they just kept paying it. They just kept paying whatever it was because they don't. They didn't want to go deal with somebody else. They don't want to go find somebody else. They'd rather just pay you. Yeah, yeah. To your point, change what you can control. Focus on what you can control. Scott, is there anything else you would like to add? Is that you know sleep is very important, but if you have an hour to just openly think and ask yourself questions, just write down a hundred questions on a piece of paper and see where you get try to do that, like, you know, or try to write down a hundred different things in an hour. Probably won't be able to get to a hundred, but you know, try to do 50, see where you get with that. I think that's, that's where you start to realize what you really want and what you need to change too. It's probably a good exercise. That's a wrap, my friends. Reach out and let me know what you think. I appreciate you listening into this episode of Under Withheld the podcast by accountants and for accountants, where we talk about our ubiquitous professional and personal struggles. You are not alone.